The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Father, send your word again to us tonight. Help us to learn at your feet what we are hearing tonight, what we have been hearing. This good news of the finished work of Jesus that we can experience and enjoy and live in. Lord, help us to walk in the fullness of the reality of this finished work in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. All right, welcome your neighbor. Quickly take your seats. I want to cover a lot of ground tonight. And I really want you to pay attention, um, listen. These are things you, you treat like the Berean Christian. You go home and you search the scriptures for yourself to see that it is so. And you begin to put them into your life to the degree that you need it. And all of us need it to one degree or another. Hallelujah. So it's our month of new creation realities. That's our devotional study for this month. And we're still looking at, um, well, two topics really, um, two train of thoughts. One is dominating our environment by the forces within, which we took a lot of time to talk about last week. And the second is hopefully what I'm going to get into a bit more, the process of coming into newness. We are new creations in Christ. And... The plan and the will of God for us is to have all things new. Behold, I make all things new. Glory be to God. So all things should not be evident in our lives any longer. What are the old things? The things that belong to the old nature. Sin. Sickness. Disease. Poverty. Shame. Failure. All the things that came as a result of the disobedience of Adam in the garden that is around our environment. And what we need to learn is how we can rise up with what God has put on our inside now that we are Christians and begin to allow the finished work of Christ play out in our everyday lives to the full so that the old things will no longer be there. Can I hear a loud amen? So we, we, we talked quite some last week about it starts with Um, acknowledging what is inside of you in Christ Jesus. You have to be that person. In fact, we looked at two translations, not just the King James, the New Living Translation did just say acknowledge. King James used the word acknowledge. So acknowledge means you affirm it. The Bible says Christ is in me. I say Christ is in me. The Bible says Christ has made unto me wisdom. I say wisdom is in me. The Bible says power is in me. I say power is in me. I don't... And this is the the mistake people can make. If you are not careful, you will be affirming what is around your life. You will be affirming your experiences. You will be affirming your circumstances or acknowledging them. And that's not how you are to live anymore. That's not the new way of living. That may have been the old way of living. That may have been how you have been taught to live all your life. You go by what meets the eye. You go by your circumstances. You go by what you feel. You go by the balance in your bank account. You plan by the money in your bank account. You you have to get rid of that old 
old leaven, old manner, old way of living, and begin to embrace the new way that God has brought to you. Because what God did for you and I, he finished everything, put it in Christ, and then put Christ in you. And what you can now enjoy and experience is what Christ is in you can now be lived out in your everyday life. Where you are never sick anymore because Christ is never sick. Where you are never poor anymore because Christ is not poor. Where you are never confused anymore because Christ is never confused. That is the life. And that's, how, that's the only way you're going to be able to dominate your environment. Because if you don't know how to do this, if you don't learn how to do this, and don't start growing and living this life out, your environment will always dominate you. And if you now start looking as if Christ did not die for your sickness, somebody say, not me. If you now start looking as if Christ didn't die for your poverty, and he did. Can I hear a loud amen? So you acknowledge them, and then we looked at these two words, Understand. Because that's what that word actually meant. When he said, acknowledge them, the New Living Translation says, understand it and experience it. And all of them are important. You see, if you don't begin to affirm it and acknowledge it, you may never get to the point of understanding it. And if you don't begin to understand it, you may never get to the point of experiencing it. And if you are not experiencing it, after a while, whatever understanding you had, you will start losing the understanding you had. So maybe two, three years ago, you were confessing I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away. But because no experience, no manifestations, you are no longer confessing that anymore. That's how the Bible says, Satan steals away the word that was sown in their hearts. So we, we talked about all that and so many other things. I, I have a lot of ground to cover. I want to go into the process. This, this is where we ended. Because these two things are important. When you got born again... Certain instant miracles took place. Instant. Immediately your spirit man was changed to be like Christ. You became like Christ. Immediately Christ moved inside of you. The Holy Ghost moved inside of you. And that change, um, that, that experience brought about some changes to you if you truly got born again. But that is not the only change experience believers are to have. Not everything that you are supposed to experience as the package that comes with Christ will be instant. Some things are going to come with process. So some things won't happen instantly. Some things will take days, they will take months, they will take years. And some things will take forever. So our in Christ experience is not just about instant things. It's also about the process of certain things that will happen. And it's the combination of um, walking in these two categories of events, the things that happened instantly. We don't say because of the things that will happen by process, we deny what happened instantly. You're already a new creation in Christ. The Spirit of God is already inside of you. You're already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Those ones happened instantly. Glory be to God. But then, you can't say because of the instant things, you're now not going to follow with the process, which I think many Christians don't. Out of ignorance, perhaps. In fact, the three major things is ignorance, unbelief. We'll rather settle with what they are seeing and what they are feeling and what they are experiencing rather than settling with what is written in the Word of God. That can be another problem. Or laziness. You know, the place of not being diligent with these things. The Bible says you should labor to enter into these things. You have to study these things, sir. Come to me and learn of me. You have to be willing to learn. Ah, I don't read my Bible. Ah, you will pember, sir. You will pember. I'll be honest with you. I'm the, I'm the pastor. You see, some people may not say these things because they are not pastors. They are not coming to meet you next week. And when sickness comes to knock on your door, they may not be there. 
You have to read this Bible, sir. No. You have to speak this word. I don't have to do it. We will teach you. We will teach you. Praise the Lord. But you see, what I can't do for you is to make the confession for you. I can teach it. I can leave it out before you. That's how far I can go. But everyone must take personal responsibility for themselves. Glory be to God. Let me touch on this again because it's very, very important. We talked about it last week. Matthew 13. I want to read just a few very powerful scriptures here. Please listen to this. These are the words of Jesus himself. Matthew 13, 52. He said to them, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven. And that's what we are doing here. We are talking about heavenly realities. Kingdom of heaven. The, the, the things of heaven that we can now start tasting to a measure on the earth. So everyone that is instructed, like you and I have been instructed, concerning kingdom of heaven, is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Glory be to God. So we, we, this is the thing. That you got born again, please watch this. We say the old man has died, the old man is gone. You must interpret that in the light of scripture. It doesn't mean you will never see that old man again. I mean, your history before you got born again is still there. They didn't change. I mean, the record of Tundi Akiyamin is not just school, primary school. It's still there. As it were, certain old things are still there. All the bad, bad things you did, they are still there. If you stole before, they wouldn't erase the record that you stole. Or if you killed before. So it's not like the old just vanishes per se. Even though the Bible says old things have passed, the old things have become new. It's not like the old passed away. And that's where the challenge is. Sometimes some of these old things want to rear their head in your new life. And that's where you need to be careful. Glory be to God. Then we also read this text, Luke 5.39. Please look at it very carefully. This is a major challenge. No one having drunk old wine. And please understand the way we are interpreting what we are saying here. It's the old and new. Your, 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 your life today, if you are not careful, certain things that were taught you in your upbringing when you are five years old, six years, your formative years, that may be unscriptural. Now that you are born again, they may still want to show up in your life. New birth will not erase that automatically. It won't. I, mean, I gave the example that um, before I got born again, I, I used to watch pornography a lot. And God helped me. In fact, immediately I got born again, the desire to stop watching it there. But temptation has always come back from time. I've had to fight that thing. That old man will always want to come back. And I thank God for his grace to overcome it. So you must know that you're, 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 you have treasure. Old and new things want to show up in your life. You are the one that must know how to discern which one is the old and which one is new and get rid of the old, which is the, a big part of the process of coming into newness and hold on to the new. So, and in our studies in Luke 5.39, no one having drunk old wine, you are used to doing things in a particular way. You've done that all your life. Maybe you got born again in your teens or in your 20s or in your 30s. So you are, you've been drinking old wine. You've been living life a particular way. You never, ever, ever had to make confession and prayer to get things in your life. That's not how you used to get things before. So you have a wine or a system you are using. Said no one that has been drinking old wine immediately desires the new. 
For he says the old wine is better. So you have a way you used to get results before confession wasn't there, prayer wasn't there, meditation wasn't there, but you used to get certain results. Now they are teaching you confession. Now they are teaching you meditation. So many Christians struggle to do those things. And because they have not, it's, it's still new to them, they have not yet used meditation, confession, all these things to get results. When the rubber meets the road, they go back to the old at the expense of the new. And we need to be aware that these are the realities we are facing. So 1 Corinthians chapter 5, please let's, I want to use this as a foundation before I get into it because you need to have this picture and relate it to your life. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. They were Christians, no doubt. I mean, anybody that's read 1 Corinthians, he accused them that they were baby Christians, chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, but they were saints. So when he got to chapter 5, he said, verse 1, it's reported that there's sexual immorality among you. And you know the stories. There was somebody there that was living in sin. And then Paul used this analogy of the old and the new. And if you read further down in that chapter, he was saying that behavior of sexual immorality, a new creation should not be practicing sexual immorality. In fact, Paul said, even that happens that is not mentioned among unbelievers, that a man will have his father's wife, that even unbelievers are not as this immoral. And that's his point here, that now that you are in Christ, this kind of thing should not be mentioned among you. And he used this phrase, he said, verse 7, purge out the old leaven, or you can say old wine. This, you used to do sexual immorality before you are born again. Now you are born again. Don't allow those kind of behavior begins to manifest in your life because it will hinder you from experiencing the newness you're supposed to have in Christ. That was his whole point here. Purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. Hallelujah. Since truly you're unleavened, Christ has made you clean. Christ has made you holy. Christ has made you the very righteousness of God. Don't allow unrighteous behavior to begin to manifest in your life. And this is, this is the thing. If, if this old man, old leaven, old wine keeps playing out in our lives, even though we are new creations, the newness we are supposed to be manifesting in Christ, we will not see it. We will not be able to dominate our environment. Our environment will continue to dominate us. Hallelujah. And that's why we need to learn these things. Galatians 5.9. Paul said, a little leaven. Just one old way of thinking. In your own tradition, in your own village, the husbands dominate their wives. And the wives are like slaves to their husbands. And you, you saw that's the way your grandfather treated your grandmother. That's the way your father treated your mother. That's the way your uncles lived before you with their wives. Now you are married. You now want to do the same thing with your wife and you're a Christian and you are wondering why the marriage is not blessed like it should be. Hey, a little level levels the entire lump. You need to forsake all that old level, old wine and go and settle down with Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6 and renew your mind and start treating your wife the way the Bible says you should be treating your wife now. Not the way they do it in your village. Or the way you saw your father, your mother, your uncle, and your whole family do it. A little leaven leavens the entire lump. So, even though you're a new creature in Christ, if we allow some old things touch the way you are thinking, the way you are processing, it can mess up everything. 
That will not be your story. That will not be my story in Jesus' name. Apostle, I mean, Peter used this phrase. Watch what Peter said in 2 Peter 2.22. All this is just talking about how we can come into newness or not come into newness. 2 Peter 2.22 said, This happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow or a pig, having washed, returns to a wallowing in the mire, in the mud. What was he talking about? They had a saying then, in, you know, dogs vomit, anybody that knows dogs, then they will eat the vomit again. And the, the point here is that when you got born again, this old nature, this old lump, this old man, Christ took it away. Now, interpret that taking it away like the scripture says. Not taking it away that you will never see it again. But he took it away. Praise God. I don't know how better to explain it to you. So he's not taking it away that, ah, we'll never be tempted to do pornography again. For where? But Christ took it away. So I stand on the fact that Christ took it away. And, you resist, and that's how you're going to overcome the temptation. I don't know if that's making sense to you. You are with me. So he said, you are like a dog that has vomited. Don't go back to your vomit. When Christians allow the old to begin to play out in their lives, they are like a dog that is eating his vomit. When Christians allow the old to play out in their lives, be treating, be doing your marriage like they do it in your village, where they didn't have any revelation of Christ, where they were never taught that husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church, and you now want to do your own marriage that way. You are like a pig that has been washed that went back into the mud. Somebody say Tofi Akbar, not me. And that's not how we are supposed to be. Pastor, what are we to do? I mentioned this last week. I will just reference it again. Ephesians 4. You read from verse 17 to 24. And the same thing was taught in Colossians 3 from verses 8 to 10. I will give you those two texts again. Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. Colossians 3, 8 to 10. This is the process of coming into newness. Those things that could not have been covered or were not covered by the instant miracles. This is how you deal with them. What do you do? He said you take off the old man. So you are now two years into that marriage. You see that you, you, the tendency to be doing your wife, bullying your wife like your grandfather and your father was is there. You now consciously take it off. They've taught us in our church. I've read it in my Bible. I'm to love my wife like Christ loved it. You take it off. You renew your mind with the word. Hallelujah. Then you put on the new. That's the process. It's a process. That one didn't happen instantly when you came to You didn't come to the altar all of a sudden, boom, the thing just went away. Mm -hmm. Things like that don't happen that way. These are you come into newness. And we shall all manifest newness in our lives in Jesus' name. Glory be to God. And this applies to everything, whether it's money, whether it's our health, whether it's ministry. We must, those things that have to be dealt with by process, those things that even though you are still a Christian and you are still director of operations, those temptations, those old mountains that are still popping up from time to time, what do you do? You take them off. And I'm going to show you how to do that. You take them off. You renew your thinking. You don't allow them to continue to play out in your life. Because if you do, they will compromise the manifestation of new things in your life. You will not be able to dominate your environment. Because this is the only way you can dominate your environment. That which Christ has put inside of you must come out. And what Christ has put inside of you cannot come out if you keep yielding to the old man. A little leaven leavens the entire lump. Oh, hallelujah. If I'm helping somebody here, let me hear someone shout hallelujah. 
Now, let me get into what I want to deal with tonight. And the solution, again, to dominate our environment, what do I mean by that? You are living in a world where there is sickness and disease, and you are living above sickness and disease. By his stripes, I am healed. It's a reality in your life. Not something that's just in our Bible. And not that there's no sickness and disease, though. You are just dominating it by the grace of God. You don't dominate it by your power. By the help of God, by the favor of God. And all of us will have that in the name of Jesus. Even people that are challenged with their health. Look, you are the one that should be believing this the most. What do I mean by dominating your environment? The negative economy in Nigeria is not wrecking your finances. Because you are accessing the riches of God in glory that is in Christ. That you have. The inheritance you have in Christ, you're accessing it. It's there. It's inside of you. There's no poor Christian. There is no poor Christian. There is really no sick Christian. All these things, because they are not in Christ. And we are in Christ. So the environment, we want to put these things on us. We are the ones that know that the way we can dominate them is to live from inside out. How do I dominate my environment? And then how do I work out this process where the new things are what is now showing in my life, not the old things replaying themselves? It boils down to us understanding who we are in Christ. And we used some examples last week. I want to go in another direction because we can use so many directions. The New Testament epistles, what do I mean by epistles? After the book of Acts, from the book of Romans all the way to Revelations. That is the portion of the Bible that really reveals to us what was finished for us in Christ. That is the portion of the Bible that tells us who we are in Christ. That is where we should be affirming or acknowledging, like Philemon said, Paul said to Philemon, and understanding and experiencing Thank God for the other parts of the scriptures. We are not saying they are not important. No. But they don't carry as much revelation as insight and insight of who we are. So, for example, last week, let me quickly run through some of the things we mentioned last week. Um, talking about what's in us. The life and the nature of God is in us. You will see that a lot in the New Testament epistles. The wisdom of God is in us. There will be glimpses of them mentioned in other parts of scripture, but the true light of those things came in those epistles. The power of God is in us. Hallelujah. He said the power, the strength, the might of God is in us. The wisdom and the mind of Christ is in us. The faith of God is in us. We should not be struggling to have faith. Hallelujah. The faith of God is in us. Now, let me go That's where I want to go again tonight. And I want us to really look at the book of Ephesians tonight. Just when we understand more and more, acknowledge what you have in Christ, understand it and experience it, we can live it out. Glory be to God. And we can dominate the environment and walk out the process of newness. Who we are in Christ. That's how we're going to get it. Oh, yeah. First Peter 2. Let's, a couple of scriptures before I go a bit deeper. First Peter 2 from verse 1. I read this scripture on Sunday. I want to talk about it again tonight. Therefore, and you will see this whole thing about laying aside something and embracing something here again. 
That's how you do the process. That's how you do the process. Thank God for the instant ones. We are not talking about the processed ones. You need both. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? That's about the fifth time I've said that this evening. I hope somebody is catching it. Mm. Praise the Lord. Laying aside what? Malice. See, old man tendencies. All deceits. See, when he tells us we have to lay it aside, I thought they said the old man was taken away. He was. But it doesn't mean he will not want to rise again. So what do I do? I lay them aside. Hypocrisy. I may find myself doing it once. I should wake up and drop it. Envy. All evil speaking. Verse 2. As newborn babes, please, I'm going somewhere here, desire the pure milk of the word. And I believe he's really emphasizing the New Testament epistles here. Desire the revelation of who you are in Christ, that you may grow thereby. And please, I want you to take paper attention to verse 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. That's an amazing statement, that third verse. If indeed we have tasted that the Lord is gracious. In other words, saying us that if we have really encountered grace, how many people have encountered grace here? You are sure? You have seen God's grace, you have tasted God's grace. He said that grace should do something inside of you. That favor, merited favor, if you have really obtained it, it will birth a desire for the sincere milk of the word in your life. I shouldn't be chasing you to read your Bible. If indeed you have tasted the Lord is gracious. I shouldn't be begging you to come for Bible study. If indeed you have tasted, you should have a desire for the word. You should have a desire to know these things. Look at it very closely because that's very important to what I'm saying. I can't teach you everything. I realize these things. Thank God for what? They can't teach us everything. They can't teach us. What can teach us? Grace can teach us. Grace is the one that will birth the desire for the word. Hallelujah. If, verse 3 again, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, what should happen if I have tasted the Lord is gracious? Verse 2, I should desire the pure milk of the word that I may grow. And listen to me, that growth is a forever growth. Director of operations, listen to me, you don't stop growing because you are not director of operations. Glory be to God. You continue to grow. Hallelujah. Look at 1 Timothy 4.15. I want to use these two things to drive what I want to share with us tonight. 1 Timothy 4.15. Paul was giving Timothy advice for how to do ministry. He mentioned to Timothy, you have certain things. Um, the, you have the gifts that was given to you by the laying of hands. You have this, you have that, you have that. Then he gave him this advice. And I want us to take this advice to heart. Meditate on these things. 1 Timothy 4.15. Meditate on what you have been given. Like Philemon was saying, affirm what you have been given. Affirm that the life of God is inside of you. Meditate on it, that the power of God is inside of you, that the wisdom of... Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. Throw yourself on it. You don't forget these kind of things. You don't remain ignorant of these kind of things. You should know them. How? Through the process of meditation. You should understand them. How? Through the process of meditation. Give yourself entirely to them. And what will happen to you? Your progress. KJV says your profiting will be evident to all. Hallelujah. That is the plan. Number one, we are to have progress and profiting. I decree over you again, 2018 will end better for you than it was at the beginning progress, profiting. By how? 
meditating on what has been given to us. Specifically, again, revelations that were given to us or communicated to us through the New Testament. So we, we, we need to learn to study the epistles. And what I want to do you tonight is show you how you can study the epistles. Particularly, the letter to the Ephesians. It's one of the richest of all the epistles in the Bible. How can I study it? How can I desire the milk that is in the word? And by the way, if you study, like I shared with us on Sunday, the Bible starts with milk of the word, then it goes to meat of the word. So after a while, you stop taking milk, just like natural baby. And you know what he called the meat of the word in, in the book of Hebrews? The understanding of righteousness. When you start knowing that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you are accepted in the beloved. When you start understanding the revelations in the epistles. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm to desire then, I'm to, he said, I'm to meditate on these things. And what I'm saying is that's how you are going to know who you are. Praise the Lord. And when you know who you are, you can dominate the environment. And you can cooperate with the process of coming into newness. So, let's take the book of Ephesians. And particularly for the purpose of what we want to share, the revelation of who we are. There's something amazing Apostle Paul did in the book of Ephesians. It's just six chapters. And chapters one to three, he focused on communicating to us the wealth and the worth. I'm going to use W's for what I want to share with us this night. The wealth and the worth of who we are in Christ. Who we are. Again, I want to connect this to what I shared with us a few weeks ago. We should learn to define ourselves completely, accurately, um, comprehensively. So in, in revealing to us who we are in Christ, that's what he did throughout this epistle. And most of the, all of the epistles, that's the core of what they were communicating. Who we are. Who are we? We are people that have wealth. We are people that have wealth. Spiritual wealth. It's not that they gave you a billion dollars in cash when you got born again. Praise the Lord. However, if you can understand this spiritual wealth, you can translate it to naira and dollars. Can I hear a loud amen? So we're not saying, I, I'm, I'm not... People that say it's just spiritual, that, you know, you can have this thing and still be poor. No, you're not supposed to be poor. If you understand this thing, you won't be poor. When you don't have money, a fish will come out with a gold coin for you to pay your tax. Praise the Lord. So, chapters 1 to 3 talks about our wealth and our worth. Chapters 4 and 5 talks mainly about our work. But he had mentioned here and there about our work. So another way we have to know who we are is through our work and our work. Work as in W-O-R-K and W-A-L-K. Work there talks about our day-to-day -day life, what we do in the office, what we do in church, what we do in school, what we do in our marriages and our relationships. Revealing who we are in Christ to us. I mean, when you study these things, it's quite amazing that the Bible goes into this kind of detail. And in chapter 6, the latter part of chapter 6, it talked about our warfare. And it described our wardrobe. It talks about the whole armor. So I'm using W's for us. Three, just three major things to know who we are. We are people of wealth 
and worth in the eyes of God. We are people that have a walk. We were, he said that we were saved unto good work and a lifestyle, a walk. And we are people in a war. See, Christians that are living as if they're on vacation in Bahamas. There's no way they're able to dominate the environment. No. Hallelujah. Let's quickly go because of time. Now, I can't read the whole chapter, so that will be your assignment. But let's point out the core of what we are teaching here. And read this thing in light of what Paul told Timothy, meditate on these things. You, do you know what it means to meditate? I don't have time to teach about it. To think about it, mutter it to yourself, allow it to renew your mind. When it says take off the old, renew your mind. You renew your mind through the process of meditation. You chew on it. Hallelujah. You reflect on its meaning in your own life. Hallelujah. You allow it to change your thought pattern and your thoughts and your attitude and your behavior. Change your outlook to life. You use it to program how you respond the next time you are in that kind of situation. You make it the light along your path and the lamp for your feet. You meditate these things. Give yourself wholly to them. Run your life by these things. Desire this thing. You, you study them. You read them. Hallelujah. So Ephesians 1.3, let's start with that. Very common and in Ephesians 1, it was really describing the redemption we have. And he said we are, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I mean, we are blessed people. Hallelujah. We are blessed people. Every Christian, you know, the one that doesn't have a job, the one that has a job. The one that doesn't have money, the one that has money. Every believer that is a new creation is blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That's who we are. And when we, and we say it over and over again, meditate on these things, give ourselves holy to them, we can dominate our environment. Glory be to God. And we can process out the old, that poverty that is still showing in our lives, that has no business in our lives, and processing the new, these blessings that we have in Christ. Look at Ephesians 1.7. I'm just going to pick some of them because of time. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. According to the riches of his grace. Hallelujah. Which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. This is who we are. This is what we have. Glory be to God. Now, it's a bit difficult sometimes to teach these things to earthly people particularly Lagosians and Nigerians, because many of us old wine, we only see wealth in Naira and dollars. Some of us have not yet, I dare to say most of us, have not yet renewed our mind to the point where we see wealth in forgiveness of our sins. We have no value. You, you, many of us here, probably most of us, if they put $1 billion on this side and forgiveness of sins on this side, I know you come to church, but let me tell you what will happen. You will have taken the $1 billion and spent $1 million. And say, ah, wait, oh, forgiveness doesn't important. And by the time you come, it's no longer there. Listen, this, this is part of the old wine and new wine, old lump. Your old way of thinking is you just value, you think of wealth in terms of just Naira and clothes and car. But that's not how we see it in the kingdom of heaven. This one is of more value. 
And when you walk in the reality of this one, it will bring the money. Forgiveness of sins. Riches of his grace. I mean, you're not even shouting hallelujah. You see, you, you, you see my point. But if I had said that after the service, everybody has gone home with one million dollars, you know, I wouldn't be able to finish the service. No, I, now, I am not joking. I'm pointing out how we need to renew our mind. We value mundane money things more than... God is not going to give you a million dollars directly per se. You don't get born again and they wire one million dollars. That's not the riches we're talking about here. What happens when you get born again? Your sins are forgiven. You are supplied abundance of grace. You are given wisdom. Now, you now need to go and renew your mind and start valuing wisdom, valuing forgiveness of sin, valuing riches of grace more than one million dollars. So vital. So vital. And give yourself wholly to these things. Not be the brother that will not make time to meditate scriptures because he's struggling to pay his rent. And he thinks the only way we'll ever come out of that situation is when he gets a job that will be paying him $1 million a month. The only problem is that he now doesn't have a job that's paying him $1 million a month. And he's stuck on that. And I wish I could help that brother. I'm telling him, bro, you're already blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And while I'm not neglecting the challenge you have with paying your rent, let me tell you how you can come out of this situation. Give yourself, start meditating on these things. Glory be to God. I'm already blessed. Look how valuable, look how much I am worth. And look how well all my sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. Dr. K dealt with that extensively during grace culture. Glory be to God. Look at verse 11. I have to run because of time because I want to cover so many scriptures. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. You see, I think Paul deliberately used things that we used to measure money and um, natural physical wealth. He used it in his language to communicate the wealth we have and the worth we have in the realm of the spirit. Glory be to God. So you see these things like blessings, um, riches of his grace, inheritance, in describing our worth and our wealth that we have already. Hallelujah. And though he's not referring to money, what he's giving us, if we learn to walk in it, we will not have money problems. Can I hear loud amen? May you not have money problems in Jesus' name. Please meditate on these things. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. Verse 11. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Glory be to God. So he mentioned, and you can read the whole chapter. Then when he got to verse 15, he now said, praying for us. That may God open our eyes. And I won't take the time to read the prayer from verse 15 to 23. We've been praying it in church. Please learn to pray these prayers. Thank God for the one we pray for among ourselves when we're in church. Learn to be familiar with Ephesians chapter 1 prayer. And not just for praying the prayer's sake, pray it to a point of understanding and experience. <laughs> Hallelujah. Where God will indeed open the eyes of your understanding. Where God will begin to communicate to you the riches of the glory of his inheritance and in the saints. And all those things mentioned, the greatness of his power in us. We will forever be learning these things, particularly on this side of eternity. But bless God, we can grow in them. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? And they all point to the wealth 
the riches, the blessings that we have, and our worth, our value. Paid for by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And now we carry around. And by them, hallelujah, we can dominate our environment. Sickness doesn't have to ravage our bodies. Glory be to God. And dominate our environment. Let me go on because of time. I want to read this one, chapter 2. Let's read from verse 4. Let's read this time. I just don't want to read it over your head. Let's read it together. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 4. So beautiful. Again, it's just telling you what you have. I would have loved to have said from verse 1. Of course, please, what I'm challenging you to do is read this book, study them, give yourself only to them, know what you have. But God who is rich in mercy, say with me, that mercy abounds towards me. Oh, yeah. Notice it's, it's, it's rich in mercy that it says, because of his great love, hallelujah, say that love flows towards me. You see, all, all these things just show you how much wealth and worth you have, how much value you have. You are loaded, hallelujah. You are not an ordinary person. If only you can start valuing these spiritual realities, like you value money, even more than you value money. I'm telling you, my brother, my sister, your life will be better. Your life will be, my life will be better if you value these things more. I'm not saying money doesn't have its place. And I'm telling you, these things will bring money into your hand. Do you notice Jesus didn't have any money problems? Jesus wasn't a billionaire per se, but he never had any money problems. There was no time that Jesus wanted to eat that he couldn't pay for his food. Or he couldn't pay for it. There was always supply. And these were the things that were dominating his mind. Heavenly realities. And that is what he has made available for you and I in Christ. Glory be to God. And we are to give ourselves to them. That's how you do the process. Even when you are dead, verse 5, in trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Watch another value of what we have. And you are, and raised us up together, verse 6, with him. Raised us up together. Made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is the main part I want to read. Verse 7, that in the ages to come. This was written 2,000 years ago. And somewhere in my understanding, we definitely must be part of the ages to come that they are referencing here. Glory be to God. So I like to read things like this. That in 2018, praise God, God might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. When we get to chapter 3, he talked about God manifesting his, 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 his wisdom through the church. Look at what God wants to display through us. The riches of his grace. By being kind towards us. God will help you this season. I said divine help will locate you this season. The kindness of God will land upon your head this season. Glory, glory, glory be to God. Hallelujah. And we can read on and on. Chapter 2, verse 19. He said we are no longer strangers and foreigners. In the earlier part of the chapter, he said people that are strangers from the covenant and foreigners, they have no hope. We are now a people that will always have hope. Glory be to God. 
Why? Why will we always have hope? We are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, referring to the saints in heaven. Many of us here, if, they come and, if Donald Trump should call you tonight and say, I want to make you an American citizen, you know how you will jump for joy. Now God is telling you, I'm making you a heavenly citizen. Can you renew your mind to value that more than American citizenship? You are worth something. All these top um, first world countries, America or Singapore or Japan. I mean, there are people who feel they are worth more than people that live in third world countries. It is, we are heavenly citizens. And not only are we heavenly citizens, in our said we are members of the household of God. That means you are the president's child in America. <laughs> and you know America is just a loo I'm just trying to communicate. Say it now, I live in the White House of heaven. All this is just to, man, you have worth. You have wealth. When you don't meditate on these things, when you don't desire the milk and the meat in them that you can grow thereby, I'm telling you, that's when your environment begins to dominate you. And you are not, you are actually short-circuiting the process of coming into newness. Simply because you just haven't sat down to study your wealth and your worth in Christ. This is not what they are going to do for you. Can I hear a loud amen? This is who you are right now. Glory be to God. But you need to acknowledge it. You need to understand it. And you need to experience it. Praise God. Can I, do I have time for one more? Chapter 3 is very beautiful. Yeah, I mentioned that. Chapter 3. Look at verse 8. I'll just read two verses there. So he said, God now made this, he called, it, he called them mysteries, they are divine secrets that the Spirit of God opens our eyes to. So verse 8, chapter 3, to me who am less than the least of the, of the saints, was this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles, watch this phrase again, the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's what you have. Unsearchable riches. Again, he's talking about spiritual realities, but it's spiritualities that can impact your natural realities. Oh, that's, that's what you have said. So, grace was given to me to reveal these things. And in verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. This speaks to what we are talking about. Watch. The manifest wisdom shall be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. We are supposed to be manifesting the wisdom of God and dominating the devils, not the devils dominating us. Dominating our environment. But we can't do that if we don't know and understand and experience what has been given to us. Am I helping somebody tonight? Glory be to God. And of course, at the end of chapter 3, he prayed another prayer, powerful prayer. And that God will do exceedingly abundantly, far above all we can ask or think. We all know Ephesians 3.20. Praise God. Say with me, I am a person of wealth. I am a person of worth in Christ Jesus. Never again in my life will I allow my circumstances or a negative experience that I go through, make me feel less about myself. Hallelujah. 
See, every time you allow those kind of things to dominate your life, the temptation might come. I'm not saying temptation will not come. But every time you allow them to dominate your life, you're allowing the old man. Old. You're allowing old to dominate your life. And you need to start getting rid of the old. Glory be to God. And walking in the new. This is the new. This is the new. And this is what will bring about newness of life in your life. Let's talk about walk and walk. It's interesting, in, in, in this book, Paul spent more time talking about the walk, the conduct, the day-to-day conduct. But he mentioned in chapter 2 and verse 10, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So all this, please watch this carefully, why we need to emphasize this, all these investments and worth and wealth that God has made available to us in Christ Jesus and put inside of us is so that we can manifest good works. And that's a part of our life. And listen, we come into newness and we cooperate with the presence of newness when we begin to yield ourselves to doing this work. Serve God, oh, serve God. I hope there's still nobody in this church that is not finding something to do to serve God and growing in it. Because that's why you are made. We, we use the last one to talk about purpose. It's a purpose for your life. You are his workmanship created onto something. All this investment was so that you can do that thing. We talked about potential last Sunday. That Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. This investment God has put in me is me. I can do all things. That is it. That is it. Look at Ephesians 4, 7. Talking about our work and our work. Said to each one of us, glory be to God. Please touch everybody on your row and tell them that includes you, my brother, my sister. I mean, you can't get any better. To each one of us, God gave it each by each, one by one, person by person. He didn't omit anybody. Every new creation has this. To each one of us was grace given. How? According to the measure of the gift of Christ. Man, that's an amazing statement. So it's not like, like we said, when it comes to salvation, new birth, we all got the same measure. When Romans 12 says God has given us the measure of faith, we all got the same measure. Every one of us. Investments have been made inside of us. We are now people with worth. We are people with wealth. All manner of spiritual blessings that if we can start walking in, hallelujah, we can do the work that God put us here. And that's how we manifest the new, that's, that's the process. And listen, that's how we're going to dominate. The believer that is not working will not dominate anything. He that does not work, let him not eat. He won't dominate. In fact, his world will dominate him. That will not be your story. That will not be my story in Jesus' name. Now watch. I love when Apostle Paul teaches. Particularly when God sees you. I've never seen something like this before. So watch the teaching anointing of Apostle Paul here. Um, Ephesians 4 from verse 1. And you see how we emphasize this. And now begins to tell us what we should walk in. Um, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, walk worthy of the calling which you are called. And it explains how we should walk in it. With all loneliness and gentleness, you see, get rid of all the old style. With long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. It's a new way to live now. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And you can go on and on and on and on. I mean, it's a very, very lengthy teaching. But the first walk he told us is worthy of the calling of God on your life. 
There's a call of God on your life, new creation. You have a purpose from God. You are not here by accident. God designed you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God uniquely created you and he loaded you to come and do something for him. Walk worthy of that calling. Walk again means your day-to-day life must be in consciousness of this calling. This is, you are talking about process of coming into newness. So when you are not doing this, you are allowing the old to dominate. The old man doesn't know he's called of God. He doesn't even know that God is his father. He doesn't know God created. He does what's his own with God. But the new man can't be like that. Hallelujah. So the first thing he told us to do is walk worthy of your calling. Glory be to God. Look at the next one he told us from verse 17. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk like the rest of the Gentiles. Don't walk like unbelievers. Blessed is the man that stands on the counsel of the sinners, of sinners of the comfort. Psalm 1. He said, don't walk like the rest of the Gentiles. Walk in the futility of their mind. Don't walk like an ignorant person. Watch. Having the understanding darkened, they don't know they have a purpose. They don't know about the righteousness of God. They don't know Jesus loves them. A sinner can know that, not you. Don't walk like them. You see, walking again is how you live your life. Your life, my life, should be lived with an enlightenment of who we are in Christ. Don't walk like the rest of the Gentiles. Having the understanding darkened, verse 8, being alienated from the life of God, you, you have the life of God. Behaving like someone that doesn't know they have life. Because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the blindness of their hearts, how you walk. Now, again, I found it interesting that most of the teaching in the epistle was how we walk. He mentioned the walk, but he kept telling us, this is how to live life now. Live life like someone that knows they have a call from God and respond to the call. Live life with an enlightened mind. Don't behave like people that don't know God. You, you, you know God. Look at the next one he said. Glory be to God. Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, be imitators of God as their children. Walk in love. Walk in love as Christ has also has loved us and given himself unto us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smell and over, smell aroma. Love people, love God, walk in love. Walk worthy of your calling. Walk in light. Well, no, you don't come to walk in light. He said, don't walk like Gentiles. Walk in love. The next one was walk in light, verse 8, chapter 5. You were once darkness, old man, old wine. Old lump. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Told you what to do. Now that you have this life, now that these, all these things have been invested in you, how you walk, how you live, what you did in January matters. February, March, April. Okay, January to November, October, um, September has gone. You have October to December. Walk in light now. Walk in love. Now, the old we want to step in. Take it off. Ephesians 5 and 8, you are once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable in the Lord. And I'm I'm picking, you should read the old epistle, because it went further. I'm just picking because of time. 
The next one, verse 15, walk in wisdom. <laughs> Praise God. Walk in light. Walk in. Look at what he said in verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. That's walk with wisdom. Not as fools, but as wise. How? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And he goes on to explain. And what he thought it was, make sure you are filled with the Spirit. Make sure you are filled with the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. So declare this with me tonight. I walk in wisdom. I say it like you have some faith. Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Please say it like you understand what we are saying here. Do you know why Christians don't dominate the environment? They are not walking in wisdom. Do you know why new Christians don't dominate the environment? They are not walking in light. Do you know why new Christians don't dominate? They are not walking in love. Do you know why Christians don't dominate? They are not walking. They are walking like Gentiles. And let me bring it home. Look, the way an unbeliever will solve his marital problem is not the way you should solve your own marital problem. The way an unbeliever will solve his financial problem is not the way you should solve your own financial problem. There is a problem when Christians are doing things the way unbelievers do them because of ignorance. problem. And we are supposed to be different. You don't walk like the rest of the Gentiles. Their minds are darkened. Your own mind is not darkened. You come to King's Word Church. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Although that's not the point in the scripture, but you get my point. Walk. 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 So, for us, in Christ cannot end when we make the altar call. This is one major thing I want to It starts. Something else starts. Thank God for the instant miracles. But you see, all these things were taught to people that were already born again. So that they can manifest the newness they carry inside of them. And that's what God wants for us. Praise the Lord. And the third one was our warfare. Please, I beg you, stop living as if you are not at war. I've said this to us. And hey, I'm not trying to say that you should not rest, you should not go. Mm-mm. In fact, our theme is rest. But Ephesians 6:10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. And I, I, I saw something, I kept using whole armor. So, having one and not having the other is not the best way. Put on the whole armor that you may be able to stand against the wives of the devil. Let me say it in light of what we are saying. That I'm able to dominate your environment. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We are at war. So, a big Part of who we are is this warfare part. There's a way we must know that we are at war. You should take prayer seriously. You should take prayer seriously. We are at war. Because that's how we ended it. It said, put on the armor of God. Then he said, pray in every prayer in the spirit. Prayer is a in fact, is the complete part of the armor. See, the whole armor. You see, if you put on the armor without prayer, you don't have the armor on. And of course, we don't have the time to start teaching about each of the pieces of the wardrobe. You can read that. So, look, look I'm showing us how to study an epistle. Please let, let me quickly wrap up now. My time is up. 
You, and this is one way to look at it. And this, all, all they are revealing to us is who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ. So they told, they told us the things that Jesus has put inside us. They told us, look, there's a lifestyle. There's a work we have been called to do. And there's a life. You see, when you read that wisdom part. In fact, let me, let me just mention that. Because I just glossed over it. Go to that chapter 5. Quickly. When you begin to read from chapter, chapter 5 and 6 is just too dynamic. So it's, it's talked about working in love, talked about working in life, then talked about working in wisdom from verse 15. Then it, it, start, it settled, it moved into marriages. Husband, this is how to do your wife. Wife, this is how to do your husband. Then it, it moved into children and parents. This is how you handle your parents. Then it moved into employees and employers, workers, work in wisdom. So how you conduct yourself in every, those are everyday life affairs. What I do in my home, with my spouse, what I do at my work with my employer or my employees, how I relate in my relationships, how I relate with my parents. And, and look, think about what the whole concept is. They are telling you that, look, you have this life and how you can express it. Glory be to God. And come into newness of life. That's what they are teaching us here. So, what is going to happen to the believer that comes to church and prays and prays, but is fighting his husband and his wife at home? That's not the way to live this life. Hallelujah. That is not to say that you and your wife will not have challenges at home, but you deal with it in the light of these things. And I'm not just talking husband and wife, colleague and relationships. Amazing. And look at what he called it wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom, light, love. Don't be foolish. Oh. You will be tempted to be foolish. Don't walk like unbelievers. Unbelievers can be beating their wife. You, you can't do that anymore. That's old lump. It will leaven the entire lump. And the newness God intended for you to manifest, you won't be able to see it. Praise the Lord. Can go on and on. Rise on your feet. I hope you learned something tonight. Lift those hands to heaven. Let's begin to bless God. If we can train and teach people to live this life that they've received. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun. Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-006-40.